Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Morgana Ray is the author of Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation. She's been a seven-figure spiritual life and business coach for nearly 30 years, is known as a leading expert on money manifestation. We'll talk about that. Blending mysticism and modern neuroscience to create her own coaching methodology. She has guided tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, artists, healers, and humanitarians to heal the rift between heart, spirit, and money. We're going to back on Coast to Coast last with me about five years ago, wasn't it? Yes. Well, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me back. How did you get involved in so much money? It was not intentional. And to refer back to your beautiful guest before me, Dr. Dean, talking about magic. I needed to bring magic to the part of my life that was the most mundane, that felt the most heavy, the most unmagical, to bring some life into some, some love to this part of life that desperately needs it. So the quick answer is I failed at everything everybody else was teaching. And I had my Ivy League degree, and I had half a dozen coaching certifications, and I had celebrity clients and testimonials and marketing, and I was doing everything right. And I was living in Los Angeles 20 years ago, struggling to make $100 a month. That's it? That's, I hope you're impressed. <laughs> because to, to take everything I had going for me and to be struggling to make $100 a month in Los Angeles is quite a feat. And I hope nobody else tries to replicate that. And it was just, I was doing, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. In fact, I was not only not making money, but I was taking classes that were telling me to do the same things that I was already doing. And I had a really dark night of the soul where I had tried everything and my last gasp of hope 
seven clients in a row said they would hire me, and none of them showed up, and none of them paid. And I just had nothing left to do, and I could not see how I was going to survive. And it just felt cruel that I got good results, I had a talent, but I couldn't make a living at it. And that's the thing about money, is money is life and death, which is why we have so much energy around it and so much fear around it. And I despaired. And I was really, really lucky that I was working with a coach, which honestly makes no sense that I was working with a coach when I couldn't even pay rent. But it saved my life at that time. Because after failing at everything, I had the vision boards and the mantras and the millionaire mindset, and I was, I had all my friends in L.A. waving their hands, changing my money DNA. We're a real spiritual group out here. And nothing was shifting. And my coach looked at me and he said, Morgana, if your money was a person, who would your money be? And that was my big aha moment because in that moment I saw my money instantly and he was this big, scary, dirty, violent biker dude. Nothing wrong with bikers. But this one was bad and he wanted to harm me. And suddenly my entire financial life made perfect sense. I was protecting myself from exactly what I wanted and needed, and it didn't matter what I was doing consciously. It's like Dr. Raiden was talking about the the delicacy of a little bubble. Yeah. And no matter what I did, that little doubt, that piece of unworthiness, that there was something wrong with me to take people's money, that I might be harming them, that I wasn't worthy, that money causes fights like it did in my family and that it got in the way of love would burst that bubble. And I would have so much shame and fear and anxiety around money that I'd be pushing people away who actually wanted to hire me. But I didn't know any of that until I saw this person and I saw how dangerous and mean and harmful he was. And I didn't see it until I made him a person. We can talk about money forever, and it's an abstract concept, and it's interesting, and we can theorize, but when you make it a flesh-and-blood person, it becomes very, very real, and we see things that are in our subconscious, becomes visible to us, and then we can do something with it because we're speaking in the language of the subconscious, so I had to get rid of the biker. Again, he was, he was poking and bursting that bubble. So no matter what I was doing consciously, I had this counterintention that I had to keep him far away from me. So I was pushing money away, and I didn't know it because it was dangerous. And I didn't know that I felt that way about money until I made it a person. So I had to get rid of the money monster, which created a new problem because I live in L.A., and now I've rejected my relationship with money. So I had to think to myself, who could I want in my life so much that I'd be willing to have this person in my life, even if it's money? And out of my mind's eye just arose this sweet, handsome, romantic, gentle, safe, loving guy, because that's my flavor. And he wanted to be with me, and he wanted to woo me, and he was safe, and that's really, really important. Did he just enter your life? He just, he entered my imagination. Oh, you created him? Yeah, I imagined him. He was my new relationship with money. He wasn't physical, but he felt real. And he was so cute 
and loving and sweet that is like, okay, I want this imaginary person, and I'm willing to have a relationship with money because he happens to come in this package that is safe and loving, and he wants to be with me. Honestly, when I talk about relationship with money, it's really never, ever about money. Money is the symptom. It's really relationship with life. But money is that area of life that is the big limiter. Well, here's here's an example. Yes. We're talking about Elon Musk today. Yeah. And he's changing the name of Twitter to X. Yeah. He spent $44 billion in money. Some of it borrowed, of course. Yeah. Some of it his, but he still owes it. He's on the hook for it. To buy Twitter. Who would do that? Who would have an affair with money like that to do something like that? Well, it's interesting because I've coached billionaires. And surprise, they're human. Are they happy people? Very often not. Because their drama just shows up differently. Remember when I talked about money getting in the way of love? That is a common experience on both extremes. And who could imagine that the world's richest person is so insecure? Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, 
start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I remember my first job in television. Yeah. $2 an hour back in 1969. $2 an hour. And I'm trying to figure out and I'm still going to school at that time. But I, I couldn't live on that today. Mm. But I was happy. I still am. Yeah. But I mean, I was I was still happy doing what I was doing. Yeah. Money becomes a problem when it stops us from doing what we think we need to do or be or have. And the reason I focus on money, besides having my own very weird journey after failing at everybody else's stuff, I did this and overnight four people hired me for double what I'd ever charged before. And that started me on this journey. But the reason I, the real reason I focus on money instead of just life itself is because money is the number one excuse we humans give for everything we can't have, do, or be. But we can also see that you can have all the money in the world, and you're still a human being. And there are other monsters besides money that usually show up when money is no longer the problem. It could, so, could be diseases, could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's our relationship with life. Is this world a safe place for us? Are we wanted? Now, would you rather have money than not? Of course. Everybody would, I would yeah. think. But we're at war with it. That's that's the ironic thing. If, for example, like I loved, I loved the Tony Bennett song that you played as we entered, and I was just feeling like, wow, how would it feel for you, George, if money, if your relationship with money felt like that song? How yummy would that be? Maybe it does. I would believe it. I would believe that. But what if I said to you, for example? You get in the way of everything I want, and you cause wars, and you cause fights, and you're unfair, and you're evil, and I wish you didn't exist, but I want more of you in my life. How would you feel about that relationship, if that's what I was saying to you all the time? Well, it wouldn't be a really great relationship. Yeah, and that's the bubble bursting, is we want it, but we resent it. We need it, but we don't like it. I admire people who make money and help other people. Yes. Well, because there's no friction that way, or there's less friction. And that's, that's the place that the block comes from, is when we're going in two directions at the same time. I, it makes me think of the tarot card, the chariot, where the driver has a black horse and a white horse, and the trick is getting both vehicles going in the same direction or both both horses going in the same direction. If you've got one going, I don't want to have this relationship, and you have the other saying, I want to pursue you, you're never going to go anywhere and you're going to be stuck. And that's where human beings get, is we want and we don't want at the same time. Because fundamentally, we're driven by safety and self-protection. That's the prime directive, and that's a good thing. But then if money is dangerous to us because it brings up 
a lot of scary things about our ability to survive and deeper issues. Money represents, am I lovable? Am I worthy? Am I safe? Am I powerful? Those are, that is what money measures in our civilization. So any of your wounds about not being lovable, not being worthy, not being safe, not being powerful are going to show up in your face in money drama to get your attention, ideally so that you can heal it. But while we're still in the pain and we're unconscious of it because we don't really know what our relationship with money is, we're going to keep pushing it away, and the drama just gets louder and louder and louder to get our attention. Who would you say comes to you for assistance and help? What kind mm. of person? I get the most interesting people who are brilliant and want to save the world and are getting stuck. I have... And they're, they're good, and they're good people? They're good people, generally? They're very good people. I don't think sociopaths have a lot of trouble making money. They have trouble with relationships. But the world savers and the sensitive people, they have a lot more conflict with money. And they're doing all the right stuff. And they're not getting, either they're not getting paid what they deserve to be paid, or there's drama coming up that is, making money the bad guy in their life. How many people, though, Morgana, are in a job that they're stuck because it pays them well, but they hate it? Well, that's another version of a monster. It isn't just not having money. It's if, if your relationship with money is keeping you in a prison, getting in the way of the legacy and the lifestyle and the love you want to experience, then that's a toxic relationship with money. And it's even worse because you need it. So that would be a monster that I would want to get rid of. So that then you can have a really loving partnership with money who wants what you want, and then you can look at the situation together as a team, and see what you couldn't see through your fear-based eyes. And how did you come upon this yourself? Because you trained yourself. Well, I had my initial experience 20 years ago with my own coach, and I had instant results. And then I started getting all these clients, and I wasn't marketing this money thing at all, but I kept noticing clients had money anxiety, money challenges, so I tried it out on them. And to be totally truthful, I failed in the beginning. Why? And because I didn't know what needed to happen to make the change happen. How deep you want to go into the root cause behind the money problem, because it's never really about money. You want to go as deep as you can into anything that has ever made you feel unsafe, unworthy, unloved, or powerless. The real, the, the vulnerability of human existence. Again, it's relationship with life, but we can measure it in money. That's what's so useful about money. When my client Leslie makes $1.2 million a day after I coach her on a house that she'd been trying to sell for years and nobody had even looked at for what, years. What did she do to change that? She had been working. She saw me speak up in Sun Valley, and she purchased my Money Goddess Home Study program, and she had some immediate breakthroughs with that, slaying her monster, having a new money, honey, and then I coached her 
because I noticed something in her life experience and history that would take it a little deeper to get at a deeper monster than she could go to herself. And when she saw what it was and rejected it, chose herself and rejected the monster, she got a call from somebody who wanted to look at the house, and it closed two days later. And that's happened more times than I can count. I get emails daily of people who have these unlikely occurrences. It, I love the Arthur C. Clarke quote, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I can't predict or really explain it, but I have seen, I've developed patterns and theories because I've coached so many thousands of people over so long. And the first one is I believe that change happens at the speed of safety. And if change isn't happening, something isn't safe. So you're not wrong, and you're not a failure, and you're certainly not a self-saboteur. You are protecting yourself from a threat. And it's a real threat. It, is, it just isn't what you think it is. Because our subconscious, which is where we have all of our attitudes and beliefs and where all of our actions come from, is a repository of symbols. So money is a symbol of these deeper life issues. What does manifestation mean to you? Manifestation, to me, is when you take action and you get a result. But it's not a straight line. You take an action in this direction, and then the result comes over there. And when you've been applying action for a period of time and you haven't gotten results and you feel like you're a loser and you make a small inner shift, and then suddenly it all pours in all at once. I now have a theory that I developed earlier this year that all that work that you did wasn't wasted. It was just building up and building up and building up, but it was against this wall of safety that you built up to protect yourself from what you think you want, and as soon as it becomes safe, it's all that pent-up energy gets to pour in. And that's when the results come in and they're just so much bigger than you anticipated and they happen really fast when it's safe. What if money really isn't the the cause of this, but it's the individual? I'm sorry, I, could you repeat that question? What if money isn't the cause for all this anguish, but it's the individual who does it? He creates um, it himself. I absolutely believe that to be the case. I think that life hands us three spiritual teachers to get our attention for our evolution. And they are money, love, and health. And money just gets our attention louder and faster than anything else. So I think we have these unresolved wounds because we're having a human experience and we want to find out what it's like to be vulnerable so that we can heal from it and help others. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.